What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Sondewald, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This episode, we have Jack McNutt. Jack is a drummer extraordinaire, currently playing mostly with Southern Maryland-based group David and the Dynamos. We talk about how we got into playing music, the importance of being adaptable, and the legacy he and his brothers left after their school. Spoiler alert, his brothers were the good ones and Jack was the troublemaker. It's a great story. Jack has his own podcast called Talking to Jack. Be on the lookout for an episode with yours truly. You can catch Jack with David and the Dynamos on July 31st at Toots down in Hollywood, Maryland. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. As far as I know, you've been drumming, playing music for what? Since you were 13, 12, uh, somewhere around there? So I've been drumming since I was five. Okay. So I've been doing Was that, that really drumming or are you just hitting shit around the no, house? No, that was actual like drumming. Okay. Like uh, I was taking lessons. It started, we had a guy living in our house. Um, like renting a room from us. Okay. And he had a drum. It sounds better when I put it that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the first time, it sounds like those videos <laughs> where like everyone leaves the house and the girl climbs out of the like yep. the crawl space. Yeah. That's not like that. It okay. Was, he had a drum kit in our house. And it was- that's a bold move. That's a very strong move. Like, hey, I'm going to rent a room from you, but it's just going to be for my drums. Yeah. Now me, I always envision it as this huge like eight piece drum kit, but I was also five. So right? it's probably just like a pearl export with a couple yeah, yeah, crappy yeah. symbols. Like it was probably nothing. But he would leave and I would walk into his bedroom and just start playing his drums. Because as a five-year-old kid, you didn't care about boundaries. Right. <laughs> or know what they were. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to play his drums. And my family never stopped me. Mm, like okay. I, was, I was home with my mom. And so she was never like, hey, don't do that. So I don't know if maybe That's, they, I don't know if maybe they had something worked out that me being the five-year-old didn't know. Right, you know? right. But one day I'm in there and he comes back and I didn't, like, he just came right back. Like he left and he came yeah, back yeah. right away. He'd forgotten something maybe, I don't know. And he catches me playing. And I just remember looking at him like, uh, hi. Because <laughs> you know, as a five-year-old, you're not like, oh shit, you know, but right, you are right. like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Right. He goes, hey man, just when you're drumming, just make sure that the towel is over the birdcage. Oh, okay. Because he had a bird in there. Yeah. So how big was this fucking room then? Dude, I don't remember. I was five, so I probably think it was huge. But all I remember is he had a bird and a drum kit. And I just, now that I look back at it now as like being almost 30. And I'm like, man, I can't imagine if I was renting a room from someone. I was like, by the way, I'm bringing in a parakeet and a drum kit. Right. <laughs> like, right. That's so, <laughs> a, that's what I'm thinking. But B, what I'm thinking, so like I have a huge room Yeah. for just any kind of standard. I have, I have a big bedroom. Most bedrooms are like 12 by 12 at most. Yeah. That's not a lot of space to have a drum set, no. a bird, your bed, your a dresser. dresser uh, you know. Like all of that is yeah. just wild. So, yeah, he was cool with it. Like he taught me a couple of things. And then my dad was a pastor at a church. And whenever church was over, I would run up there and start drumming. And of course, everyone's like, oh, it's the pastor's kid. Don't do anything about it. Like, just leave right, it alone. Right, right. You know, oh, fucking privilege. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there you go. That's <laughs> and so then from that, I just started, we were there, I forget how many years. But then we went to a church that wouldn't let me touch their drum kit because my dad wasn't the pastor. But then I started playing percussion in school. Okay. 
I got a drum kit in fourth grade. Walmart first act. Can't go too wrong, right? No, nothing better than a first act drum kit covered in sound off mute pads. (laughs) That was a... Honestly, with that being my first row drum kit, I'm surprised I kept with it. Right, (laughs) right. Because that would throw um, you off with the sound completely. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the sound pads on, my whole family was like, just stop. (laughs) But my mom's the one that bought me the drum kit. She knew there was something I would always like love and I would always do. Yeah. She's always been super encouraging for it. When I was in high school at one point, she was like, why? Like all your symbols sound different. I was like, well, yeah, they're all like cracked and broken. And she's like, oh, you didn't say anything. I was like, well, you know, right now I just, at this point I was like 15. Okay. Yeah. And I was just like, well, we, I didn't think we could really afford it because things are well, like. That's sweet. Yeah. yeah. So, I was, so I was like, I just never brought it up. I mean, because granted, I would come home from school and find notices on the door about uh, utilities being shut off. Mm. One time the gas company shut our gas off on accident. They meant to hit the house like across the street from us or something, okay. but they hit ours. <laughs> yeah. And we're living in Northwest Pennsylvania. It's the middle of winter. And so we're calling them. And it's like nine o'clock at night. It's like less than 30 degrees outside. So our house is freezing. And it got to a point where I took the phone out of my mom's hand. I went to my bedroom and I just started yelling at the lady on the other end. (laughs) And I was like, you need to turn it on. Like, what the fuck? Like, we're, we're like, it's not even. And she goes, sir, I can't. Like, there's technicians that do that. Yeah. And I was like, then get them. This should count as an emergency. She's like, I can't do it. So like, we were already like real strapped for cash, and it got to we were we spent one night in a hotel, and then for some reason they still couldn't get it on the next night. So my mom, she stayed with my grandma, and then my brother and I stayed with some friends that we had for a couple nights. Wow. Um, and then, did your pipes freeze? Did anything? No, they just were super slow at getting everything turned back on. Wow. And then everything was fine afterwards. But, you know, I'd, I'd come home from school and there would just be, like I said, the notices on the door. And so I'd come in and it got to a point where I'd come home from school and I'd have to walk home from the bus stop. And I would just kind of be a little nervous, like, all right, what am I going to find now? Right, right. So I started working at a diner, family-owned diner up there as a dishwasher. Okay. Because I knew, like, it just, you know, we needed some extra help with stuff. And that's kind of, like, where it all came from there because then my mom and my stepdad started patching things up. That was part of the thing is we left my stepdad. So he okay. was still down here in Maryland and we were we moved back to where my mom's from in Pennsylvania. So I started playing this is when I started getting into like knowing other musicians. Sure. Yeah. Cause what's what says like, hey, we're poor and kind of like not doing well. Other what's what writes that better than like, hey, let's start a hard punk band. Right. Yeah. Like that was <laughs> So some friends and I that were all in school together, we all figured out we played music and we got together and we just did really terrible covers. Yeah. Like, well, we were having fun. So that's all that mattered. And now you're doing slightly better covers. Slightly better covers. <laughs> yeah. But I was, I was, a, I was a wreck then. Like it was bad. Like yeah. I was, big, I mean, I didn't want to be home. Like, cause I didn't want to have to deal with all that. So I had a couple of friends around the block that I would just go to their house and we'd just stay up all night. And then I'd literally, with no sleep, slightly hungover I would just walk from his house to the bus stop and then I'd go to school so it'd be a couple of days in a row where like I wouldn't my mom wouldn't like see me right but I would still like text her and stuff so she would like know that hey, I'm, I'm alive. still alive yeah, okay. it was, yeah. but I mean, we, we so it was it wasn't the greatest that wasn't my like highlight reel like that yeah. was definitely I could have done better but you know I, was, but, I mean you're a kid what are you yeah do, I mean right? I was like 15 16 I was ripped away from everything I knew in Maryland yeah 
And I had to go up there where everything was supposed to be better, but it just got really hard. And I reacted poorly and started doing music again with some people. And then I'd spend the summers back in Maryland with my dad. And so I started playing with, that's when I started really playing with Josh Namist. Okay. And then when we moved back to Maryland, he and I just picked up where we left off from the summers and eventually ended up, uh, very long story short, that's what led to he and I doing Flying Jacob. Okay. okay. That's kind of how that birthed out because we played, Flying Jacob actually started from what it is now. It started as a three-piece acoustic folk, like indie group that would play on the sidewalks of Fredericksburg. That is a very, very big difference between what it is yes. now. It was Josh and two girls. Okay. And then years later, that stopped. And it was me on drums, Josh on guitar. And then we found this other guy named Michael uh-huh. and he played guitar and sang. And it was kind of like this like weird bluesy rock kind of thing. But we still use the name Flying Jacob because we were still Josh, Josh, Josh's thing. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Was it, so it was always Josh's kind of. Yeah. He was kind of like idea. given the permission from the girls that the, he could keep using the name. Huh. And then he continued to use the main song. It's called Head Gasket. It's the okay. Flying Jake, but it's been like three different songs. Yeah, because it it's gets the same, it's the same riff, but the lyrics yeah, are always yeah. it's so it's yeah. and so that was like the blues rock thing. And then I went on tour for a couple of years with a different or like with an organization. And then I came home. Was it like and, a church organization? Yeah, it was like a traveling music ministry thing. I was the drummer and like program person. So like every church we went to, I had to put our like presentation or program together for the night. That's interesting. Yeah. One year I was the drummer and the sound tech because we didn't have enough people. Okay. And I don't recommend that to anybody. No. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't fix anything while you're playing. No. We had like a little eight channel Yamaha mixer yeah. that I would sit on my drum cases next to my drum kit. Yeah. That's not, yeah. A, that's not a good idea because A, you can't hear anything from back there. B, you are so integral to the sound that you cannot leave. I got really good at my monitor being on the left side. Right. And then I had one earphone plugged into my right ear that would feed me the main mix from the console. Holy shit. And so I would have two mixes playing into my ears at the same time. One, that's fucking ridiculous. That's I don't I don't understand how that would work. We got a lot of good but, compliments on our sound. So I'm, I mean I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Like, but that's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, it was uh, but yeah. So, so I came home from, that was 2012. And then I went on staff and trained a bunch of people for them. I came home about 20, I think full circle. I was done with them. Okay. So this is like three, almost four years then, huh? Yeah. Well, it was, their years were August to August. It's like school years. Yeah. But were you then, doing that and school at the same time? Then? No, I never did. After high school, I never did okay. any more school. Okay. So this was all after high school. Yep. Yeah. All I graduated right. high school, 2011, okay. worked for a year and then I started doing this. I came home in, so that was 2012, 2013, 2014. So I came home fall of 2014. Okay. But I was working like, I was a substitute teacher. And so I would take, since I really didn't need to request time off work, I could right. just be gone. Right. I would be, I would take a couple weeks at a time, one in the winter and then again in the spring and then again at the end of the summer. And I'd go back out to Minnesota and kind of like do these like training week weeks with the, with their For that groups. same organization. Mm-hmm. So that was fully done with them in 2015. And then Josh was like, hey, I'm jamming with these people. Same Josh from yeah, everything. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'll come check it out. But they had a drummer 
and they already had Caitlin was like playing acoustic and electric. Josh was playing electric, and I had played bass before, but yeah. not like enough to like be in a band, or at least I had thought. Well, because Josh thing and I, that the bass doesn't do that much, right? I did. I did. <laughs> the summers when I came home, Josh and I had formed this like mini like punk band that never left. Like us just jamming. Right, right, yeah. It was actually really cool because his parents own quality printers. Oh, okay. And so even like even as Flying Jacob in the last few years ago, we would clear out the space and practice there. But at their old location, we would clean out their like workshop warehouse. Yeah. And we would just set up in there. And it was super cool because it's just like this huge tall room. And so the sound would just fill the whole place. But we were a three-piece like little rock band. It was me, him, and his cousin. And we called ourselves Slim Fit T. Oh, that's cute. Which is because the irony was I was the lead vocalist and I can never wear a slim fit tee. Like, <laughs> I'd be lucky if I can get a slim fit tee over my giant head. Right. Like, well, that's that's what uh, that's a whole other meaning to spreading yourself thin. Yes. There's there we go. Yeah. Way more of you now. Especially <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm feeling um, it right now. It's, and, it's... <laughs> so I, I played bass in that. Okay. I had a little Fender Mustang bass that had one pickup in it. No, yeah. it wasn't even a Mustang. It was called a Bronco. Oh wow! It's okay. a short, short scale bass. Yeah, it yeah, had yeah. one single coil pickup in the middle of the pit guard. Yeah, that's the, um, the teeny tiny one. Yeah, we still have it. I have the. I have. Uh, it's covered in <laughs> stickers. It's still in the house somewhere. <laughs> and then, so I started playing bass, and we were like, "Man, we were." So we started writing all these tunes, and they just we were digging them. They were great, but it got to a point where it's like, "All right, some of the songs don't like match with each other." Okay. And then some of the band members, we had different visions for what it was going for. Sure. So we got to a point to where we were going to have conversations with people and be like, hey, we kind of want to start doing this. Mm-hmm. But we never had those conversations because that person just actually just stopped coming. Oh, well, fuck it. I guess that works out. So we're like, all right, cool. <laughs> so we found ourselves at a point to where I was playing bass, but the guy who's playing guitar and singing and the drummer were brothers. Okay. So let's, I want, I want to back up just for a second. So okay. we have Slim Fit Tees yep. and that... That's not what we're talking about. We're no, talking about back flying, to flying Jacob. Back to Flying yeah, yeah. Jacob. Well, this is so, like pre, it's like the forming of Flying Jacob. Right, right. right. Yeah. So I, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm on the same page with you because with Slim Fit Tees, it was just it was me, Josh, you, and Josh, cousin. and his cousin. Yeah. Right. And then now we're we're going back into Flying Jacob. Yeah. So now where, we're in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was let's see, it was me, Caitlin, Daniel, and Josh. Okay. Which for the longest time was pretty much the core of what you could call. Modern the band. flying jig, yeah. yeah. And then we had these two other guys there that were brothers. The one was singer, guitar player, the drummer, and they just the drummer couldn't come if the guitar player wasn't coming because he was the ride. Right. Classic drummer doesn't have a car scenario. Right. Yeah. So when the one quit coming, the other quit coming. That'll do it. Yeah. And, yeah, and we did. Found, they never say anything to you. They just the guy got real busy with a bunch of other stuff going on, and he just couldn't like make it work. Sure. And we're like, all right, cool. <laughs> that kind of like frees up our thing. Yeah. That's kind of like, um, but it got to a point to where we then found ourselves without a drummer because I was playing bass. Mm. So I started drumming because we knew a guy that would play bass. So our friend Andrew started playing bass for us and I started drumming. And at that point we were still just writing. We hadn't had any gigs. Okay. Did you guys have business cards yet? No, we didn't have any type of okay. presence yet. Because it's my it's my favorite thing that I, I've gotten from a band so far. As I may have talked to Josh, I don't remember, but it was it was at a Five South show. Okay, and he pulls out a card. Whoever it was pulls out a card, 
and I still have it somewhere. And I was like, cause I was talking to him about the podcast. I was like, Hey, you guys were really good. Yeah. I definitely want to interview you for the, the show eventually. And he was like, here, have a card. And I was like, what fucking band has a card? We had business cards and each of us had business cards that had our own name on them. Yeah. 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 That's we, fucking ridiculous. We were on, we were on it. Like yeah, it yeah. was because Josh and I are both heavy in sales. Okay. Josh, he's not, and you so, have quality printers. Yeah. Yeah. Josh isn't so much sales anymore. He does more like installation and okay. like printing and pressing and all that. Okay. But he and I would work the floor at shows. Yeah. Like, he and I, like we didn't, we didn't sit at the booth. We'd walk around and be like, here's a freebie. Here's a card. Find us online. Like that's what right. we would do. Right. Right. Um, but that's still like a couple years away from where the band formed. So yeah, like, I, I think just, I, I just always like that always stuck with me. Yeah. So it, it was, it was, fun. we were, it was, uh, I still have some of the cards. I think I still have some stickers laying around somewhere <laughs> at my house too. I actually, I just recently found a small flying Jacob shirt, like from our original run of t-shirts. Like, not, just, not one that you own, but no, cause I don't wear right, small. Right, right. But I, I'm a two X. <laughs> um, I don't know why I have it. Like I found it in a bin when I was going through some stuff a couple weeks ago and I was like, I'm just going to keep this. Like, yeah. Fuck it. Make it in a pillow or something. Yeah, it's, so I think a year goes by before we get our first gig, which is cool. Cause that gave us a whole year of just writing and honing our craft. Yeah. So that gives you some time to actually make a set yeah. list and figuring out what our name was going to be. Ah. Cause we didn't immediately jump to flying Jacob. Okay. One name we, we almost went with Old Line Oasis. I don't like that at all. But then we, someone was like, it sounds like a Maryland-themed Jimmy Buffett cover band. Or or a Maryland-themed Oasis cover band. That Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we didn't do that. So instead of Wallflower, um, it's all about Old Bay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was some other name. There's some other name we almost went with. But then eventually, like, the running joke was, we all know we're going to be called Flying Jacob. But then Josh was like, no, we have to be something different. And then eventually... <laughs> so he was actually going with something different. He wanted to be something different because every project he had done always came back to being Flying Jacob. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And so he was like, we got to try something new. And ever since he and I were in middle school, because that's, that's, like, that's probably when we started playing together, he had always like, we should name our band Monkey Suit Breakout. And I was like, no. It's like a dumb punk name, like wearing a suit. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. He loves it. But yeah, I was like, yeah. no, we're never doing that. Yeah. But no, I forget how it came out. I think it was Daniel's sister was eventually like, when are you guys, she's like, are you guys just going to like, just call yourselves Flying Jacob. Just call it a day. <laughs> like, because we, Daniel, Josh and I had all, since like sixth grade, they were in seventh grade, had pretty much grown up with each other by yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. So like all of our families knew each other. They all knew how we acted. It's they all, all the same stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. And so like his sister by this point knew we were going to be called Flying That's Jacob. That's funny. So that we went with the name. And at that point we we're like, all right, and Josh's wife, then fiance, okay, is a graphic designer at Quality Printers. <laughs> that works. So she designed the the bird logo. Yeah. So she designed um, the bird's name. I don't know if they still call it by name, but the bird's name was Shane. Okay. It was spelled with a dollar sign. Nice. Yeah. So we had it named S H A Y N E. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Whenever I get one of them on the show, this will be a good yeah. a good time. There you go. But I don't know. Like she just kind of came up with it. Okay. And we just kind of ran with it. Did she call it Shane or did you guys collectively? That, that part I'm not 100% sure okay. of. <laughs> right. um, so we developed the logo. She didn't just come up with a logo. She came up with a brand. Like yeah. she branded the whole band. Yeah. So we had scrims that we would hang up. I don't even know what that is. Uh, that's like the, the fold out poster stand things. They're called scrims is like the technical term. That for is them. the worst name for that. 
I, I also might be wrong. I, I don't think that you are, but scrims sounds yeah, terrible. So we would have things. They developed the business cards. She did the album artwork. Yeah, because she, she, she's fucking into it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so she put all this work into it. And I can't like to be at that point to where we hadn't played a show. We you had fucking look like you did. We had branding. Yeah. And it cost us nothing because it was done by our guitar player's fiance. I mean, that helps. That helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so now I look at the projects I'm in as like branding makes it. So I was with David and the dynamos now. Yeah. And then I'll, we'll, re, we'll rewind here in a second. I was with the band for like three weeks and I was like, all right, I'm going to come up with a new logo and design for everything. And for David and the dynamos. Yeah. So that's how I ended up with the script across the front of my bass drum. We designed, yeah. new, designed new shirts and, kind of running with it. We're going to get to do, we're going to get to business cards here soon. And it's, I became, it's, that became a huge thing for me after flying Jacob was any band I'm going to be in is going to have business cards, which I, I think is interesting. Cause I, I don't, I don't see that. And that's why it always stuck with me that this, this band in St. Mary's has fucking business cards. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it was cool, but and the, it, it, it got us places. I'm sure it did because, because we were the, as far as at that time, we were the only band in Southern Maryland aside from like the country bands. That we're getting Fredericksburg, DC, Baltimore, right. Southern Maryland. Right. Like we had hit a mark that no one else in the area had really hit. We didn't have the amount of followers and the amount of plays that bands like with Lying Eyes had, but we were getting part of what freed us up at that time though is with Lying Eyes started doing some of the cover shows to be able to pay for recording and music videos and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's an I think it's an interesting dynamic where you have and you let me know when you have to. No, no, no you're good. To. You have bands that are from Southern Maryland, mm-hmm. some that have spread out, yeah, and spread their wings. Like Flying Jacob, for the most part, to me now is a Baltimore band. Baltimore band, yep. And that's, I think, that's very, very interesting. One, you kind of sometimes when that happens, you lose where you come from. Yeah, you, they, right. That's a possibility. They, it's yeah. a possibility. You can see that in bigger bands. Yes. That's the the first thing. But what what I think is interesting is that you see the bands every once in a while that have spread out, that have grown out of the mm-hmm. little scene that's here. Yeah. And then you see the same bands that have been playing for the past 15 or 20 years still in this area. Still with depending on the band, still with pretty decent following and yeah. crowds and yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's cool. I always I always found it interesting because some of them care more about spreading out. Yeah. And playing a different kind of circuit. Yep. And when when you're in a place like Southern Maryland where it is so disconnected from the the more populated areas because you're an hour and a half to two hours away. Yeah. You know, you have to put a lot of work. Yeah. So, so we 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 ran into that roadblock pretty quick because we found ourselves being a band where our drummer because li- we eventually through the progression of the band we developed the name. We played our first show, and our by, by the time we played our first show, I was back on bass. Okay. So I never actually drummed. I drummed one show for Flying Jacob, <laughs> and that's because our drummer couldn't make it. So we had Rob Wood from Deadbeat Holiday play bass for us. Nice. And I played drums. That's and it, awesome. It was at a tattoo shop in Hager, in like up in like uh, yeah, Montgomery yeah, yeah. County. Okay. Uh, Raw Ink Live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those were killer shows. I'm sure they had the every they have bands that would come in on the road, but then they would also have uh, a local brewery and they would just serve all the beer from a local brewery. One night it sucked because all they had was IPAs. 
That's that's and, too much in the summer, man. And I was like, I'm not about IPAs. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so that was you know that was probably like 2016, end of 2016 or early 2017. Stride of Flying Jagum. We started playing our first show probably 2015. Okay, or no, 2016 in there. And then from there, it just kind of took off because we we had a sound that really wasn't being around in the area. Was Caitlin singing at that point? She was always a singer. Yeah. So yeah. A, you have a different sound, but B, you actually have a female front end band. Yep. Which she's just full of stage presence too. Yeah. Like she's that. So I saw. So I saw you guys at Five South. Yeah. And we played a few shows there. That was the biggest thing that stuck with me, was her stage presence and just the fact that her voice is so goddamn big that it doesn't matter what sound is behind. Her, she's going to always mm-hmm. kind of o- not overpower it, but it's yeah. definitely the star of the show yeah. for and it. What was great was because Josh, Daniel, and I, uh-huh. like we've known each other since middle school. So we had this like chemistry and this connectedness between us to a point to where any drummer could come in and fill the void. Right, right, right. And that was kind of like this magic glue that just kind of pulled it all together. And it's actually funny. I met Caitlin years before the band because I was working at Chick-fil-A. Okay. Can you get people's names for their orders? Uh-huh. And she gave me her last name was Medley. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking, it's like, oh, Medley, music, you know. So And so, so her and I talked about music for a little bit. And she actually almost auditioned to be the singer for the bluesy Flying Jacob. <laughs> and It's a small role, isn't it? Yeah. But at the time, she's a couple years younger than, a few years younger than I am. Okay. And so the other guy... The third guy in the band didn't want to audition someone that young. That makes sense. Yeah. So it was funny that she almost like got that and then later on became that spot. Yeah. Um, but no, so we started doing for me, it we started doing all these shows that were further and further away. And I was very public about this, but I was like, just for, to me, it didn't make sense because we were all spread out by the time Matt had joined the band because Michael Stewart was drumming for us for a while now. He's now the drummer for Philip Parsons. Okay. He's had a few other things going on in between there. He left the band because he went down to the Atlanta Institute of Music. Okay. So he went down there and crushed it and did his thing. Still talk to the guy all the time. Pretty cool. Cool dude. So then we picked up Matt and we found Matt because Caitlin knew Matt's girlfriend and we were advertising we needed a drummer. And so she was like, hey, my boyfriend's a drummer. So none of us had met this guy. <laughs> so we had no idea who he was. We just knew that Caitlin knew someone who had a boyfriend who was sure. a drummer. Yeah. And we're like, all right, he has a car. So that, I mean, that works. That yeah. works. Yeah. But then we found out he was coming from Laurel to White Plains. That's a, that's a big. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, all right, let's, we'll give him a shot. That is not and a fun drive. I'd- he, he came in and it's almost like we knew the guy forever. Like everything just clicked right away. The music clicked, all of our jokes and sense of humor and every, like he read the room real well. And we're like, all right, this is a perfect fit. Like this couldn't have been better if we tried. That's got to feel good. Yeah. Cause I don't think we even, I don't think we auditioned any other drummers. That was one and done. I'm pretty sure Matt just sat in the room and part of us was like, do we want to look at other drummers or do we just call it? And we unanimously were like, no, this was, this was good. We don't want to like jinx this and go yeah. to someone else. And so then, um, trying to think with Matt, we started doing these shows that were a little further away. And so sometimes to me, they didn't make sense because I lived in Mechanicsville. 
Josh was White Plains, Caitlin was Waldorf, Matt was Laurel, and Daniel was Lex Park, and then eventually moved up to uh, like Virginia. That's that's pretty spread out. Yeah, especially so then, Lexington Park all the way up to Laurel. Yeah, that's that's a big. Yeah. Well, we would practice in White Plains. So it's almost in the middle. It's kind of the epicenter for everybody. Yeah, but, but Laurel is such like I I I did training up there yeah. quite a few times. But we would uh we'd get ourselves to this point to where it's like all right, we have a Fredericksburg show. So I think when we did the Fredericksburg shows, I think Daniel would stay with his family that was kind of like in the Indian Head area when we would come home. But Matt would still go back to Laurel. That sucks. Yeah. Matt would, he would always go home. So like we had a five show at five South. He'd always go home. We had, or maybe I think maybe his girlfriend's family was still in Waldorf. So maybe they would crash there some nights. Sure. But it, that's not the point yeah. because you're still an hour yeah. to almost but two hours away. The point that I tried to make to everybody was we were always taking five cars because of where we all lived. And a lot of times I was headed to show straight after work. Anytime we had a show in DC, I'd get off work and I'd take the Metro like I'd ride the train in the work or into the show. Who had your stuff? They would take it. Yeah, that works because yeah. they can just go to the practice spot and you can just show up and yep. load in. And-, and so I would just do that. And then one time my brothers came to the show and so we all hopped on the Metro. We went home because we lived like five minutes away from the last line on the green line. Because huh. I was in PG at the time. Yeah, yeah. But then we started hitting like we did. The- we recorded. We had our first album that we were our EP that we recorded. And then we did the single we actually did two singles but one of them we never released okay i don't know why i think they ended up doing it on the album after later on though but so we did the single which was you consume me we did a music video for it and at that point we were playing as an all original band at that point i I feel like we were playing almost two shows a month two or three shows a month that's pretty solid yeah yeah i mean still no money being made because that's just how that circuit works yeah but but you're not burning yourself out no and it got to a point to where like people would kind of recognize us mm-hmm. and that was weird. <laughs> um, we didn't really like understand that at all. Today, I still get recognized for being in Flying Jacob. Yeah. So that was... It's definitely not the tattoo that you have right on your arm. No, I mean, one time for that. Specific, <laughs> specifically, I can think of one time for that. All right. But I'll still go to like, I'll go to St. Mary's for stuff and people will like... Cause they, that's what they remember seeing. Yeah, me. yeah. So they'll be like, "Hey, whatever happened? Like, what's up with Flying Jacob?" And I was like, "I don't know. They're, in ba- <laughs> they're a Baltimore band now." I guess. Yeah, because you. When did you leave them? I left in 2017. Okay, so um, only about a year or two after you guys started, then, right? About two years. Yeah, okay. I left in August 2017, and then and that began my two year hiatus of podcasting because <laughs> I didn't do anything while I was out there. Right. Or one year, I was out there for one year. And then they picked up Rob as their bass. I've kept up with what they're doing. They picked up Rob as their bass player. He would fill, he filled in for me a couple times because sometimes I just couldn't get out of work to make sure. it to a show in time. One time was because they decided to play a Tuesday night gig in Baltimore. Sounds terrible. And I was like, regardless of me getting off work, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> no one's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, the show starts at nine. I was like, I get off work at eight. I'm not doing that. Right. No. So they got him to fill in for me. I think towards the end, as I was getting ready to leave for Ohio, I was kind of checking out, but that's because I had so many other things I had to focus on. Like I had to wrap up things at work. I had to, yeah. at the same time, my dad was moving. So we were packing his house at the same time that I was 
packing all my stuff to move to Ohio. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I told the band, I was like, hey, look, just so you guys know, we all know when my exit date is, but I'm having a hard time focusing on this stuff right now. Yeah, short-term um, syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And we had kind of slowed down over the summer anyways. We did a couple festivals. My last show at the band, we played at this place. I forget where it was located, but we opened up for this like touring, like hard rock Christian band called The Letter Black. Okay. It was funny because I was a huge, not a huge fan, but I, like I listened to them in high school. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny, like we're sound checking and I'm watching the lead singer come in with a stroller with like two kids in it. <laughs> and I was just like, man, this is so different from when I saw her in high school. <laughs> like this is right. Right. When I saw her in high school, I think her and the guy in the band had just started dating or something <laughs> like, as in now they've got like a family and kids and they bring their kids on tour. That's funny. And you're just kind of like, man, this is weird. <laughs> this is... <laughs> but they continued on flying Jacob. That is not long after I left, Josh left. Because he had they had their kid, he and Angie had their daughter, so he wanted to focus. And that was always the like we all we all knew that when he and Angie got married, he told us all very clearly. He goes, "When I have our when we have our first kid, I'm out because that's what I'm gonna focus yeah. on." And we're like, "All right, we can't be mad about that. Like that's what you want to focus on." Like his whole family has always been crazy family oriented, so I, I knew that was gonna be a thing. Okay. And then Matt left at not long after Josh. So is Caitlin the only one standing right now? Caitlin and Daniel. Okay. And they've gone through a few changes with other people since. Rob's still there, but he's not like original. Like he came right. in after yeah, yeah. me. That's yeah, what I was, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Um, Rob's still there, but they've gone through a few other people since uh, the departures. It's always, it's always interesting to see the, the, not evolution of a band, but like the interchangeable parts, I guess. Yeah. I was I was watching a video. It was the Punk Rock MBA, okay. Which is it's a it's a cool YouTube channel. He does a, a lot of really cool stuff. But one of the things that he was saying was he was trying to explain how Dance Gavin Dance has still become like a popular band, okay. Throughout all the changes that have been made yeah. through that band, because yeah. there's three different singers, three different three different styles almost, okay. You have the the one the one main dude guitar, Will Swan maybe, I don't I don't know, but it it's always interesting to me to see all the the revolving door of yeah of band members because it's it is something where you know life takes over shit happens you fucking yep. move whatever it is right yeah just life happens yeah like it's, when I came home from Ohio I made a quick appointment to make like I wanted to catch up with Caitlin. Because her and I didn't really talk at all while I was So you made there. an appointment for that? Well, you know. <laughs> I think I was trying to say, uh, what I was meaning to say was, I made a point to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can pencil you in here Thursday too. You know, so. I think we got Chinese food. Like, I love Chinese food. Like, I'll never turn down Chinese food. <laughs> and we just kind of sat, talked and hung out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she filled me in on what was going on with Flying Jacob. And granted, no one's playing shows right now because of everything right. that's going on. But I had told her, I was like, you know, if you ever need someone to fill in drums, bass. I got you. Like, just let me know. Cause they were going through some member changes at the time and transcendent events was looking to throw them on the schedule, but they were trying to find people to fill in at the moment. Yeah. And they're like, no, we got it. It's like, all right, cool. And they did. They, they've been doing all right. They kind of found their niche doing the, my chemical romance cover thing. Yeah. yeah. Saw, Which is, the, it's just from, I just got to have to say this and I don't <laughs> care if people get mad at me. There's a huge, it's a huge crap ton of irony in that 
because from the get-go is a small flying Jacob practicing in the print uh-huh. shop trying to find our first gig. I said, I know people that book cover bands. Let's just book a few shows as a cover band to get used to playing shows and make some cash to pay for all the stuff we want to do. And it was always no. Shot down every time. And now I just find it funny that Flying Jacob, I'm pretty sure the last two gigs, they have two or three gigs they played was them playing gigs as My Chemical Romance. It's a wild, it, I, I think it's a wild scene um, because there's so many tribute, not tribute, but like those those tribute shows. Yeah. I think that's that's what I want to say. I've played them. I've taken part in tribute shows, but on one hand, I was kind of like, where do we draw the line between tribute shows? And now you're just like another cover band. Right, yeah. right, right, right. It's a, uh, I don't know, man. It's it's a weird thing because I don't nostalgia is such a big thing, and that feeling of like being reminiscing against those feelings of, of listening to that music and and what it made you feel and all yeah. that stuff. You know, that's that's cool. And then if bands can kind of take that and and make something of it for themselves, is cool. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I like I like the idea of a tribute show to one band. Yes. But it's a whole bunch of different people playing like a, their one own, song. Yeah, like their yeah. own kind of rendition on things. Yeah. So there was so there was a Planned Parenthood event, Black Cat, a couple years back that was a Radiohead okay. tribute where you had artists from all over DC choose a song, right? That's cool. And yeah. they would do different renditions of it. So my friend Selena Benali played. Oh, it was the one that I told her to play, and I forget. What it was. <laughs> oh, it's my. It's one of my favorite radio songs. Oh, this, is, this is hurting me. Um, I'm gonna cut all of this out. Hold on. Uh, oh, this hurts. Hold on. Hold on. Get it. Go to sleep. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. I knew it was, it was track five on Hail to the Thief, but I couldn't know I couldn't know what the fucking song it was, but it doesn't matter. So she played that acoustic, okay, which was cool. But then they had a couple other arrangements where climbing up the walls was done like a reggae style. Nice. Oh man, it was so 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 good. But you had different different people play different songs, and it was yeah. a whole night of that one band. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, and they've done it with the Who. My buddy Ben Tufts, I think I think it was one of his events where he did the Who for a night and they did the whole fucking spectrum and it was oh, great. Nice. So stuff like that I think is interesting and I like. I don't I don't know if I'm down for three original bands with three cover sets. I just I don't know if I'm 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 there for yeah, it. Yeah, it's uh, the hard part for me is. I was not real big on emo music. Yeah. Like, and that's when a lot of those tribute nights end up being is like emo night. Yeah. And uh, even pop punk night, the pop, the punk music I was listening to is not the music, punk music that was like on the radio and stuff. Like I was listening to like Lagwagon. Okay. Yeah. MXPX. All right. 90 pound wuss. Yeah. Slick shoes. I was into like that. No, no, no use for a name. All right, yeah, yeah like yeah. I, that's where I was at, and everyone's like, "Oh man, Blink One Eighty Two." I was like, "No, dude, because if you take Travis Barker out of Blink One Eighty Two, Blink One Eighty Two sucks." Like, and I have people that don't like that I say that, but you take them out of there, and it's just another group of thirty-year-olds whining about falling in love with a girl at a party. <laughs> like it's, 
Well, I mean, to be fair, the the album that was before Travis Barker was fine. That was album good. kills. Yeah, like that's so, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Like it's Blink is a is a weird weird one, especially nowadays. But it you, yeah, you're right. You know, it's you get to a point where it's all the same stuff. Yeah. You're singing about the same stuff, but you're significantly older. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like there's the emo show things. Like I wasn't a huge My Chemical Romance fan. They had like maybe three or four songs I liked. I'm trying to think of they they try to throw Jimmy Eat World into the emo shows. So all right. that, that doesn't really like sit well with me. I love Jimmy Eat World, but I don't know that I ever considered them to be an emo band because they were kind of like around before emo was like considered emo like a genre. Right. All right. So there's there's and I'm gonna get preachy, I guess, but <laughs> it's because I'm a, a jerk and music <laughs> is too important to me, I guess. I don't know. Genres are dumb. Play what you feel. <laughs> Just make good music. Make good music. Anyway, so emo that everybody knows isn't even like the proper emo. Right. You have bands like Rights of Spring, Embrace, you have bands that are in the eighties and the nineties playing this stuff. Yes. And they're, they're that first wave of emo, the, the like proper stuff, my bloody Valentine, you know, all, all that, all that stuff right there. And then that progresses into this amalgamation of just terrible nasal music <laughs> nonsense. And I'm not a huge fan of it, but you know, people connect to what they connect with and, they feel what they feel, I guess. Yeah. I think it's all bullshit. Kill your feelings and <laughs> you'll be fine. Could never write that music very well because I was never like, I could never like ex- express myself that way. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's, that was such like the big thing. Cause you, with emo came out of hardcore music where it was hardcore music was very much, you know, oppression going against the government going, mm-hmm. you know, political oppression and then just overall angst. And then you started getting into, oh, these are actual feelings that I have. Yeah. And then now it's it's this whole big thing. There's like and, this really blurred line between <clears throat> what became known as like emo versus pop punk. Yeah. And because you, yeah. you hear the names thrown around back and forth a lot. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, I, again, I, I think it's a weird thing where you have, you really have this this staple of like those those emo bands that everybody like emo night is such a big thing uh-huh. and it, they're all these those popular emo bands and uh it makes me sad because it's definitely you know not not what it is but what are you going to do that's that's what yeah, what people like they're wrong but that that is what it's what they like. like. That's yeah, what yeah. they want to spend their money on. Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> to this day, people still try to get me into like what was considered the popular like pop punk bands. And so, like, I think I can name you maybe four newfound glory songs. I can probably only give you like two simple plan songs. Like, I just it wasn't my thing. Like when people were listening to that, I was, I my my dad when I was growing up pretty much spoon fed me Led Zeppelin, the Beatles and Neil Young. Okay. So like I'm a teenager and everyone's like, Oh, newfound glory. Oh, blink 182. Oh, this like, and I'm just like, I've been listening to like Zeppelin four for like, like ever. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is, (laughs) I've been listening to the Beatles for like ever. Like 
then I got into like heavy stuff. Like I didn't really like, I, I, I somehow I went from Zeppelin and Neil Young and the Beatles to like screamo music. And then I went from screamo to like even heavier stuff and just going on and on from there yeah. to a point to where like you couldn't really like, I was listening to music that was so heavy. You're like, I can't tell if that's the bass guitar or the drummer, like just wailing away <laughs> on things right now. Like it was, and then one of the very last bands I played with in Pennsylvania before I moved back to Maryland was like this real heavy, like insanely heavy Lamb of God-esque type band. Okay. I had two drum kits at the time, so I put them together. <laughs> and so I had this massive drum kit with like six, nope, seven toms, two kicks, three snares, and like 12 cymbals. So when when I was booking shows, metal was still a very big thing. And it's it's kind of it's kind of a thing down here, but it's it's a different kind of metal. Yeah. So I just remember looking at these kids, and I'm not much older than them. I'm a few years older older than them at the time, but it definitely like there's there's a gap in there. And I'm just looking at these kids with fucking double bass drums, these fucking racks that don't, <laughs> none of it matters. None no, of it matters. No. So I was like, what? Are, a, that's why are you carrying that stuff? Yeah. You don't need it. Who no. who paid for it? You did not. This is a fucking waste of money. This is ridiculous. And then B, like, you can make the same basic sounds because yeah. you're only going to play. Roughly about 20% of your kit that yeah. you have because it's a big fuck all one that you don't need. You're just there for it. was as a drummer playing those kind of shows, it wasn't so much I'm going to use this whole kit. It was they need to see I have a bigger, better drum kit than they do. It's fucking ridiculous. It came down to, and I was not, I was not really that way because when I was in high school in Pennsylvania, what do we call ourselves? A close second. Okay. And I was just happy to be drumming with people. I was a freshman. Yeah, I was freshman. They were juniors. So I was like, they kind of welcomed me into their fold. And we were playing basic. Our whole set list was essentially, if anyone from Blink-182 was in a band, we played their songs. Gotcha. So it drove me crazy. Yeah, yeah. So we were doing Plus 44, Boxcar Racer. Actually, no Angels. Oh, because Uh, that that wasn't there yet. Got it. So we were doing... Boxcar Racer, Plus, plus 44, 44 yeah. Blink-182, uh, a couple, maybe a Foo Fighters song. You know, like the, the things you have to play here and there. And then our own original material, which was all terrible. <laughs> and I think we would all say that now. I don't know where any of those guys are, but I think we would all agree it was right. all terrible. We played a battle of bands in our high school. We got all of our parents to attend shows with us because we couldn't, we were like, you know, I was in ninth grade, they were in 11th yeah, yeah. grade. So whenever we played bars, like all of our parents had to go. So you were um, playing bars though? Yep. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Northwestern Pennsylvania is pretty different from out here. Yeah. Like it's, and then we, yeah, we were doing all those, we were doing all that kind of music and we caught ourselves a close second. And I remember going to gigs where I would have just a standard, like three toms, one snare, okay, two crashes, a ride, hi-hats, like your, your big kick drum, yeah, like your, basic drum your basic yeah, yeah. drum kit. And I was, Totally okay with it. Yep. But then I, we would tear down. We were always the first band. Like we would do like the fire hall type shows. I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to really... Let us hang. <laughs> so we'd tear down at the fire hall and we'd load everything back up in the car. And you could clearly tell that I was the only one in the band whose family didn't have a ton of money. Yeah. That, 
because yeah. my drum kit was uh, at this point I had a used Premier drum kit, okay. which even then buying a Premier drum kit in two thousand nine means that drum kit has been around for a while. Oh, right, like this right. was, <laughs> but it was great. I love that kit. But the other guys in my band had like high end Fenders and Gibsons, and the one show we went to, we brought the, my mom, we picked up the bass player, and he had a six by ten cab. And we were just doing like real terrible, like blank covers. And I was like, man, these guys just like roped their just folks into too much. Yeah. yeah. And it was really cool. We had a way home from the show. So my mom like just loaded everything. We loaded everything back up to my mom's car and she just drove it home. Okay. And then the next day, like, we, I don't know how we got it all out, but they would let us hang. And That's- that became a problem for me because those were the fire hall shows. And so, like, fire hall shows, the unwritten rule is that. Everyone's car has coolers. And so there's mm. just like alcohol in the parking lot. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they you couldn't take it in. Right. So like in between sets, the whole, the whole hall, the whole hall would just empty because all the bands and all the groupies from the bands would go out to the parking lot. Yep. Get lit before we knew what lit was. <laughs> and come back inside when the band was done setting up for their set. And I was, I don't know, how old are you in ninth grade? I was 14. Yeah. So, so like 14, 15. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like 14, 15, just pounding stuff in the parking lot at fire halls. That's not safe. No, it all went downhill from there. Like, it was, <laughs> like I said, this was in Pennsylvania. Like things right. were not going great there, but I remember coming in for this one band. I can't remember their name. I just remember going the the show is in Ohio. So I remember going back to school that Monday, but like, yeah, we played a show with this band and this chick was like, no, you didn't. Yeah. She goes, there's no way your band played with those guys. <laughs> and we're like, well, we did. We got drunk together in the parking lot. And she goes, bullshit. I was like, all right, cool. And she walked away. And then some of my friends were like, did you really? I was like, yeah. They were like, a, like I guess, a bigger name in the area. So then she came up to me later that day and she goes, okay, I just saw that you guys did play. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, you actually like came back to say something. And then she's like, yeah, I felt bad. I was like, cool. She goes, did you really get drunk with them? I was like, yeah. She goes, are they cool? I was like, no, (laughs) they're terrible people. (laughs) But at that point I was also like, I was 15. And a lot of these guys that are doing the fire hall shows, we were the only high school band. Like there's maybe one other high school band or like another band that had high schoolers in it. But most of those guys that were playing the shows, they were, 25, 30. Yeah. You know, it'd be like if I was playing shows now and then like a high, a group of high schoolers showed up, I would not walk them to the back of my car and start handing them beers. No, no, you should not. And I don't know why they did, (laughs) 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 but we would start playing bar shows and it got to a point to where my friend's dad would just come to the shows because my friend would want to come to the show Yeah, and he would be my chaperone. But he just did not pay attention. Like <laughs> he was single dad, so he's like hitting he on women, talking yeah, yeah. to people. Yeah. And so people were like, "Here you go." I was like, "All right." Like this, and that's where it started. Like that's where alcohol started. That's where a lot of drugs came in. Yeah. So like 15, 16, and I'm like drinking, doing drugs, and playing and having a good old time. Yeah, is what they say. Yeah. Playing Blink One Eighty Two covers and. Maybe that's why I don't like Blink-182. Maybe there's, it, it's like, it's just synced to this terrible point in my life 
And so whenever now I hear blank, I'm like, ah, you know. Like, yeah, I mean that that could be it. Most most of the time, people like it because it reminds them of the the girlfriend that they had. But now it's well, drugs have, and alcohol. I didn't have the girlfriend. Yeah, so right. Was, so you're just sad all the time. Yeah, that's with. probably why I like Bayside so yeah. much because everything in Bayside <laughs> is pretty much just like I don't have a girl and I had all these drugs and alcohol. And, <laughs> but now Bayside's like I still don't have a girl, but now I'm sober. Right. <laughs> so right. It's, that's funny. Which I now relate to that a little bit more. So it's. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been sober for three plus years. Nice, nice. somewhere around there. I I still well, I don't say sober. I shouldn't say sober. Yeah, but I'm not like what I used to be. Like I used to it used to be a problem. Yeah, like it used to be like like in Flying Jacob, we everyone else in the band would not drink on stage. I would have like four or five beers on top of my amp, and. That's just from that's just from during the set. Like that's not that that wasn't like pre-set. That wasn't after set. That was that forty minutes that you might yeah, have. Forty on stage. minutes. I'd probably go through like four Yinglings. Like yeah. This. And so by the time we got off stage, I was like, oh, time to pack up. You know. <laughs> um, that's how you lose shit. Yeah. I never lost anything though. That's Those good. were the shows I didn't drive. I was. I've always been very careful. Like if I'm driving, I don't drink. Gotcha. Okay. I might have one, but right. but nowadays, like playing in. David and Dynamos, which we haven't talked about at all. No, I was about to um, get there. <laughs> I'm just realizing because I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Now we play like three hour gigs, but like I don't drink anywhere near like I used to. Right. But that's also because it's like now I got to drive from St. Mary's to PG. And that, and by the time I get to these gigs, I'd already worked. It's, it, this is where it's another thing too is like it's only a few years difference in time. Flying Jacob Jack would have no problem working an eight hour day. 10 hour day driving an hour to a gig and just drinking the whole night while playing like no problem with that at all but now at like David and the Dynamo's Jack You're I tired. work like 8 hours yeah. then I drive 40 minutes to a gig I set up and by the time I'm done setting up I was like man give me water like it's, <laughs> and the band always rips on me because I prop for every beer they drink I probably drink 2 or 3 waters Okay, I drink a lot of water at shows that's good. Yeah, it's great because I sweat a ton up there. <laughs> I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to like dress nicer for gigs because I'm trying. I don't want us to like. I don't like like everyone just walking up in whatever gra- graphic tee they feel like wearing that day. I feel like you know putting on a little bit nicer bit of a cleaner like presentation really? and a look. I uh, for me, you know, that's just even if it's just something simple like a nice. Like my big thing is I'm I'm huge on like wearing button up shirts like plaid button up okay. shirts just yeah, open yeah. wearing them open and like rolling the sleeves yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. a big thing for me I like that but anytime I used to dress like that I was playing bass so now I start trying to do that while I'm drumming can't really do that and huh? I can't do it I get so hot yeah and it's just like halfway through the first set we played a show at Ollie's a couple months ago. Yeah, a couple months ago. This whole quarantine thing, man. That's everything blurs together. And I had a polo shirt on. And like halfway through the first set, while well, like there there was like this song where there's like this really long like guitar intro. Mm-hmm. And real quick, I was like taking my in-ears out and I set my sticks down. And I just like ripped the polo shirt off and I just barely got everything back in. Right <laughs> before. I was like, I ha- I was dying. Um yeah, it was just I'm trying I don't know. I like I try to I try to always think of ways to stand out from everything else. And so even if that's something as simple as we all wear like a button down shirt that you'd wear to a house party or yeah. like someone's yeah. gathering or something like that. Not like something you'd wear to church or some formal gathering, but something you'd wear to a party. Sure. Yeah. A, ga- a get together. 
something as simple as I put the light inside my bass drum. So that way you can see the name of the band and then the light also flashes behind it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. We have a tip jar at our shows that mm-hmm. we put a couple lights in so it lights up. And it says just tips. But if you get real close to it, in between just tips, it says the. Mm-hmm. So it says just the tips. Because you're five. Yeah. And that was me. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. So I, I, you know, and so I want to get us in the cards. Yeah. Like the business cards thing. Now I like people are going to like steal my idea. <laughs> but ever since Flying Jacob, that's been huge for me. I dig it. You real quick. All right. Uh, and then we'll get back into it. I'll be right back. Cool. Sorry. So you were saying August 2017, you left Flying Jacob, right? Yes. And then before David and Dynamos, you were trying to play a little bit of solo stuff. As far as covers here and there, right? Uh, yeah, I was trying to get into it, um, but I really didn't get much time to like lock into that. Okay. I came back October 2018. Okay. And at that point in time, almost immediately, I started playing electric guitar for a year too late. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. Yeah. Because um, I don't think they're around. No, really Chris, Chris and Lane are... They moved or Engaged, something? and they live in Texas now. Okay. So I was playing guitar for them, and that was a lot of fun. It was, I've never done that before. I've never played electric guitar in a band. I have an electric guitar. I have pedals. I have an amp, but I don't spend enough. <laughs> I don't spend almost any time with it. Right. It just feels so uncomfortable for me. Like, I can talk the gear all day, and I can demo it enough to be able to talk to a customer about it, but there's something about playing electric guitar that's just never felt comfortable for me. Well, it's a lot smaller too, yeah, right? Yeah. You I know? think um, if I were to find a good like semi-hollow or hollow body guitar that I really liked, I'd probably be a little bit more into it. Yeah. But that's because I play so much acoustic guitar that anytime I switch to an electric, it just feels so weird. Because yeah. I, play, I play acoustic every Sunday for church. I play that. So yeah, I mean, I, w- I would think that um, like the Epiphone, um, I think you have one at the shop. Or you may have We've had a one. few of them. They have yeah, like the emperors, that, the dots. Or that the, big ass Gretsch. Gretches like, are nice. Yeah. I think I'll probably end up with a Gretsch. Oh man. So there's there's a shop up in uh Syracuse, New York. Yeah. If you ever get a chance and you go up that way, it's called Ish I S H. Oh yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. They're fantastic. So I, I got to visit them when I was up in Syracuse a couple years ago. Okay. I went to go see uh Kevin Devine play this teeny tiny like venue up there, which okay. was amazing. But that that shop A is beautiful. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Uh, ish guitars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I it's, follow them online. Man, they're fantastic. And the guy that owns them, I'm gonna try to hit him up shortly to to do one because he has a, a really cool story where he did everything. He started doing everything online. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then as soon as like he found a space that he kind of liked and a, a town that he kind of liked, he yeah. was just like, all right, just, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But they only do like high end stuff. Yes. And it's fucking like I don't I don't know how you do it because that's a very like niche yeah. market. Um, there's a store in Edgewater, okay, called Baytunes, okay, and they specialize in like PRS private stock guitars. Yeah, yeah. So like they'll have some mid range kind of stuff, but most of the stuff you look at in there is like a couple thousand or more. Yeah, and uh, their return policy is forty eight hours. That makes sense. And so at first I was like, man, that's not a lot of time. But then I thought, you know what? If my primary thing that I'm selling costs $4,000, I'm 
I'm going to give you as little time as legally possible to decide you don't want it anymore. Well, and the other thing, <laughs> the other thing too, is that you're not, you're not buying a $4,000 guitar, playing a gig and then returning it. Oh, it happens. Right. <laughs> I, I, I am a hundred percent certain that happens, but it's great when you, when they come back and you're like, I can give you store credit <laughs> and they're like, what? You know, like it's, yeah, dude, it's on your receipt. It's on the sign by the register before you pay. Uh, like it's, it's great. That's got to feel good. Like we, we get, who's your manager. I am the manager. It's great. I like being able to say that now. <laughs> Sometimes we do get people, they'll call on like day 29. Hey, what's your return policy? 30 days. So I can bring it back today. I was like, when'd you buy it? And like, here's the date. And I was like, technically, yeah. You know, you're within your 30 days. We'll get you store credit. And he goes, oh, only store credit. I was like, yeah. And he goes, all right, never mind. <laughs> and there's people that do it. Like, well, there's, yeah. there's guys, we'll ship guitars to them and then they come back right away. And you never know. But like, there's always that thought in the back of your head that's like, they they just played a gig. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they recorded an album. They recorded right, a song. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's what I always feel like could, could definitely happen. And you know, something like that, that is so high end for, for Ish. I mean, that guy, I remember walking down the street and then the, the light just fucking hit perfect on this beautiful white Gretsch. The white, white and was gold. it the white Falcon? I think so. Yeah. And it's, it's like several thousand dollars. Yeah. And yep. I, I couldn't even bring myself to touch anything. And I, I bought a beanie from him just because I, that was the only thing that I could afford. Yeah. When I was in Nashville, I was at Grin's Guitars. Yeah. And it's pretty much all vintage, but it's all vintage that like even the vintage Epiphones are still like $2,000. Yeah. Okay. And so on the way, I was like, "Can I get a shirt and a sticker?" <laughs> like it was- I felt I felt so bad. So so this dude, I think his name is Jesse, if I remember right. He emailed me and all this other stuff, and was like, "Hey," because they he was doing the PRS event. There was a, I guess they have like a, a concert every July or something. Okay. Uh, PRS. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the uh, Experience PRS. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So he was going to be there because they do the yeah, private they stock do, stuff. Uh, yeah. They do like a special booth. You can order yeah. certain guitar. Yeah. And. They, because I, I I follow that that shop on Instagram, and they they pick out their own little wood. They have all the little wood grains that, so they have yeah. like their own PRS yeah, guitars. Yeah, that's a, that's a, is, yeah the, from like the wood library, like yeah, special. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a it's a very interesting thing. But when I went in there, hey, there's a Soundgarden in Syracuse, and Soundgarden is a CD and record shop up in yeah. Baltimore. Okay. So it was really cool seeing that exact <laughs> th- same thing. But the, I just remember, you know, walking past the guitar, walking past the window and just being like, I got to go in there. And I, I couldn't even bring myself to like touch any of the guitars. <laughs> I just looked and I was like, I don't want to, no, I don't want to break anything. Like I'm so afraid. Yeah. I'm through their Facebook now. Cause I'm trying, I'm trying to see if I can find any pictures of anyone that works there. Cause I, there's a good chance I met one of the guys from them when I was at the convention in Nashville last summer. Jesse was probably the one that you met. He's, he's a little bit taller than I am, skinny. I don't know. I met a lot of people that week, that weekend. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, so, but yeah, I was playing, <laughs> I was playing with uh, a year too late. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to, uh, so you're too late. So that, that was another original band, which was cool for you. And that dissolved fairly quickly, I feel um, like, or like a year afterwards. Not so much quickly because it was something he had. It was a project uh, Chris had going for a while. 
Right. They, had, right. they just went through a name change. And, and then, then you, they went through a few members too. Right. But you caught it on the, like the back the end, tail of end of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I ended up my, I was drumming for mm-hmm. them by the end of it. Cause it always comes back to me drumming, <laughs> but I had to step away from it before they even disbanded and okay. he moved. I was going through some health issues again with my lower back. And so my pinched nerve, in my lower back was causing me to have blood flow issues with my left leg. And so it's a fun time, isn't it? Yeah. So my left leg would just go numb. Yeah. yeah. And so I couldn't like drum because right. the longer I sat down the drum, it was putting more pressure yep. on my back and then my leg would just go more and more numb. And what they what they tell you is if you lose all this weight and actually like do exercise, it'll yeah. work. Yeah. And it hasn't. I, I've seen some results. That's like, so that I, when did I stop playing with them? Early 2019. Mm-hmm. And I went almost all of 2019 not doing anything. Just working, mm-hmm. doing church stuff. I think I stopped playing with them in March, somewhere in there. And then November came around and I got the uh, Facebook message about the... And this is David who used to play and sing for... With, with Lying, Lying Eyes, Eyes yep. right? Yep. And his his old guitarist is playing in another band. So Chris Dean yeah. is the lead guitar player for Phil Parsons. You that, mentioned earlier because yeah, yeah. that's where my old drummer is right, now drumming right. for. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Because I, I thought everything connected. I'd, so it's kind of funny because every now and then Dave and I will joke around that we both have previous band members playing for Philip. <laughs> so it's, I emailed him to come on the show. I got to uh, follow up with him again because he, he replied like right away, who? which Philip, which was really, really awesome. And I got to hit up David. Uh, we were talking about that. Yeah. I'm going to have David on my show, but I got to like figure out how to have my band members on my show and it just not be like band talk. I guess. I don't know. I don't know why I worry about it. Cause half the time when we're all together, we don't really talk about the band anyways. <laughs> like, I don't know. So it's, it's actually real funny how the whole band like came together. Yeah. I'm going to pull up my calendar for this because it involves some maybe not so precise decision-making. <laughs> um, I like that. that that's the best uh, kind of decision-making. Thanksgiving was November 28th. Okay. I was contacted by Dave probably early November and it was just kind of like, Hey, there's a chance coming up where we might need another drummer. Would you be interested in trying out? So at this point it wasn't even a definite thing. It was just like, Hey, we might need this. Can you like fill in? I was like, yeah, I'll learn your stuff. But then I never heard anything like, yeah, there was never like, Hey, here's the songs. We'll probably get together after Thanksgiving. So I was thinking, Right. So I was thinking, it's like, all right, so like first week of December. Right. Like a normal person. Yeah. November, Thursday night, November 21st, I got a Facebook message from Danny. Okay. Hey, are you ready for tomorrow night? What do you mean tomorrow night? Exactly. So I was like, what do you mean tomorrow night? I thought we were getting together after Thanksgiving. And he goes, hold on. And then almost immediately, I get a message from Dave. Dude, I'm so sorry. Can you get together tomorrow night? <laughs> I was like, dude, you never even sent me songs. <laughs> like, I haven't had any material to practice. And he goes, oh, here it is. And he sends me the list right then and there. <laughs> so at this point, I don't have a drum kit set up in the house. Actually, at this time, because I had just moved, I had moved back home. So I sold my drums because I, oh, I didn't okay. have anywhere to put them. <laughs> But I was in the process, like during these talks, I was in the process of getting stuff Another together. Another set, yeah. yeah. And so... But he gave you like two days notice? 
Yeah. <laughs> but like, I didn't have like an actual, what was it? No, by this time I had everything. So okay. like by this time I had drums and hardware and cymbals, but like if they had asked me a week before, I didn't have a kit yet, but I had my cymbals and like I had the stuff I would okay. need that I like, okay. I had a friend that was going to like borrow a kit in the meantime, but I got everything together. So I was like, all right, so you guys want me down there tomorrow night and you've, and they're like, yeah, I was like, how long? And they're like, uh, we usually go about three hours, four hours. So he sends me the list and I air drummed all night. Wow. Like I just sat there air drumming all the tunes. Uh-huh. And then, well, first I made sure I had everything ready to pack up and go because I had to load my car in the morning before yeah, I had to work. Yeah, because you couldn't even fucking yeah. set anything up or, or play anything. Yeah. Cause- so <laughs> I air drummed for hours that night. My whole drive to work, I was listening to the music. My whole drive from work to hit the Scott's house, I had the music playing. <laughs> and this is where I'm very thankful for the atmosphere that we have as a band because I walked in. I recognized Scott because he'd come into the store and bought a couple things. Sure, yeah. yeah. I've known Danny. I've known Dave. Dave and I used to work at Chick-fil-A together when we were in high school. Okay. So that that's there. So we knew each other a little yeah, bit from yeah. there. Actually, when I moved back from Ohio, I knew he was getting starting with the band. I was like, yeah. hey man, if you ever need anyone, let me know. And then here we are like a year and a half after where he's like, hey, I need someone. I always I always um, kind of felt bad for with Lying Eyes because I, I felt like they they did a pretty good solid job of like building themselves, but it just never went anywhere. I wasn't here when all that disbanded yeah. so I don't I never got to see what that looked like at the end of it so I can't really speak anything to yeah that. he's got a, he's got a good uh music video from what I remember oh yeah they had some good stuff yeah it's it good good tunes great content so yeah I wasn't around when they broke up right so I don't really know yeah. anything I've heard about it right now is all like hearsay yeah, so yeah. I was just like well I'll, I'll end up asking them directly I'm yeah. sure <laughs> yeah. But, um yeah that was it was it was it's strange to me because they were original started doing covers to make money to do original music mm-hmm. from what I understand which I've always argued is the way to do it yeah kind of <laughs> I, I have my own I have my own kind of ideas about the it. Beatles did it right sure yeah. <laughs> but at, at this point my opinion is very I, I don't play fucking music so it doesn't matter <laughs> no one should listen to me um, I have a podcast that I talk into a microphone no one should listen to me but yeah, so it I, I think it's interesting to me because some, you know, they they went from original to covers, and now the the members have kind of dispersed into th- yeah. these other cover bands, which I I don't know, and I'll ask you, are you guys peppering in originals too? Oh yeah, we've got a few. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, uh, we're working on tracking and recording one of them right now to be our first single. Cool. Okay. And then we're gonna try and put a video together for it. Yeah, because um, it really is like what you're saying, where yeah. you, you you know you supplement well, whatever you we have. Do with- we have one song in particular where every time we play it, there's always a couple people at the gig that are like, "All right, whose song is that?" <laughs> I can't find it anywhere. I had a we played a show at Apangers on March 13th. Something so right before seventh, everything, maybe it's the seventh. I don't yeah. know. March we had like I think I feel like in the two weeks where March had gigs, yeah. we had like two or three gigs in those two weeks. One, I think that last weekend before the world shut down, I think we had a gig Friday night and Saturday night. That sounds right. And then, I don't know, we were busy. Yeah. Anyways, so we played this song and I went out to one of my friends who I saw out there. I was like, hey. And she goes, you got to tell me where that song is. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, Jack, I'm searching Spotify, iTunes. I'm Googling it. She goes, I can't find this anywhere. I was like, what's our song? And she goes, the fuck you mean? She's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I was like, it's our song. Like, it's not like, 
that's not, you're not going to find it anywhere. We haven't recorded it yet. She goes, record it now. I was like, we're at Ape Hangers. It's, um, so I did, I had a video going that night where I did a live video from our whole first set of the show. So I went through, and so I love iPhones because I screen recorded because you can't capture your, you can't take your live video off Facebook and right. do anything with it. So I screen recorded that song off the live set and I made a little like live drum video. Out oh, that's it. cool. So that's on my Instagram and my Facebook. Cool, yeah. um, so that tied some people over, but we're working on getting it recorded right now, but we have to redo some of the stuff from the, from previous recordings just because it was a little muddy. So we're cleaning it up and we're re-recording it. Cool. But yeah, so I started jamming with them in November of 2019. Mm-hmm. We had all of December. Well, it was the other tricky thing too is I would go down and play with them, but I think it was probably end of December before I was given the like, hey, you're in the band. <laughs> because they didn't, because I was the only guy they had really like tried. So okay. they were giving a couple other guys a chance. Gotcha, okay. Which is fair. You know, yeah, like yeah. I'd much rather them just be like, all right, you're it. Right. Which... They pretty much, they, they'll say they pretty much knew from the first time we got together. Right. Because everything just clicked so well. Right. Just like that other drummer for you. for Yeah. I just punched right in and everything just, it's been really great ever since. It, it's, for some reason, it's always worked for me. <laughs> I can't explain it. When I'm listening to a song, I have this like weird ability to where I can visually see where all the drums are. Okay. And in, the, in my head, I go like, all right. I can take the audio from the drums and I can piece it as to what's being played. And so then I can air drum and I know exactly like, all right, that crash symbol they're hitting is like a bigger one. So it's most likely on the right side of the drummer. And then this crash is a smaller, more condensed kind of sound. So odds are that's just something he's hitting pretty quick on his left hand. That gives you kind of like spatial awareness, gives you yeah. a little bit of muscle memory, but at, at the same it, time, like- It helps me a lot too, because we'll do, to start our third set of the show, Dave will just go up with his acoustic guitar and I'll just sit behind the drum kit and he'll just like, Hey, we're going to play this like old country songs. Like I've never heard it, but I'll just follow you. Yeah. But because I have this idea of like how my drum kit is set up and how I can hear things, I just hear him play and I can just stare at him for chord changes or whatever. And I can just all off of motion and memory. That's fantastic. I mean, that's what comes with, you know, over 20 years of doing it. Like it's, you know, but then let's see, we had an acoustic gig in January that was like my first quote unquote dynamos gig. It was just me and Dave, mm-hmm. but it was cool. Cause I kind of get like playing that gig. Uh, it was acoustic set at ape hangers. And then we all went back to Dave's house and just kind of like went in through the night. So this is also roughly three or four months. I started with what do you mean, three or four months since I was with them or, no, or so, a go, or you mean like, yeah, a go? yeah, yeah. It feels like forever ago, but that was just January of this yeah. year. And nice. then it's also, so, was that November of 2019? November 2019, I started with Right, the so that's band. the other thing, that it's only been four or five months. I haven't been with the band long at all. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the other thing that I'm thinking of. Like, and But in that time frame, yeah. we've averaged two or three shows a month. Right, and that that's what I was going to say, is that you guys, A, have been incredibly <laughs> busy. busy. Yeah. B, have done the branding done the I the heavy that, lifting. I, I did think. that almost immediately as soon yeah. as I was started there. It was and I told the guys after I was like, hey, I didn't mean to like push anything over or like step on toes. It was just I was bored at night <laughs> and I came up with this and you guys liked it. And they're like, quit doing that. We like it. Shut up. And like it was <laughs> it was funny because we had just had the conversation about how because there's we we we're very much aware that there's like a generational gap in our band. Right. 
And so we joke about it all the time. So Danny and Scott will joke, like, man, all you younger guys are so sensitive and worried about what people think. <laughs> and so as a joke, I was like, hey guys, I hope you really don't mind that I redid the logo. Like, was, and they're like, shut up. <laughs> like, it was, so it's, it's great. We all rip on each other. Yeah. Danny and I being the bassist and the drummer, he and I probably give each other the most crap back and forth. And yeah, it just I mean, works the rhythm well. section. Yeah, yeah, it works so well for us. Actually, in our last show that we played at Ape Hangers, which was in March, he and I are standing outside in the back, kind of freezing because like March was like still cold, but we never really had a winter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he and I had to just start making the joke about how like we're the drummer and the bass player. No one cares about us. Like <laughs> we'll just get left around. People will be like, oh, there they are. And then we had this moment of self-awareness that as we're joking about this, literally everyone that was in our little like huddle of people had mm-hmm. walked away. <laughs> and so like we were, <laughs> we're saying this and then we're looking around and we're like, oh, they really don't care about us. Like it's really us just here. Oh, that's funny. And this at like, shit you not. As we're having this conversation, this guy walks by and goes, hey, you guys are the drummer and the bass player, right? And we're like, yeah. He goes, I'm going to get you guys a drink because oh, no one, nice. and we're like, yes. <laughs> Cause no one cares about it. Yeah. You. It's like, no one probably ever buys you guys drinks. <laughs> and I always joke with Dave about that. It's like, I'm just the drummer. No one buys my drinks. That's and funny. then one gig we left and he goes, and Dave goes, damn Jack, you had a drink in your hand all night. How much was your tab? And I was like, I only paid for two of them. Hey. And he goes, I thought no one bought you drinks. I was like, I don't know, man, <laughs> something's different. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had the acoustic gig in January. And that was kind of like my first introduction to the band. I sat, I played Cajon. He did his acoustic. And that's where he and I first really started singing together because I do a lot of harmonies while I drum. Mm-hmm. And it was cool because now I like, in that one night, I met like all of his friends that he grew up like partying with and that would nice. always go to his shows. So we all just kind of like, I just, I made, and that one night I instantly made a new group of friends. That's fantastic. Which was great because since coming back from Ohio, I'd kind of struggled to get back out there and yeah. get to like be around people and doing things. I've become way more introverted than I used to be. Was, I guess if I have to face it. Yeah. yeah, I, guess. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird thing. Like I think you learn that people all suck and they're all terrible <laughs> and you don't want to be around now. I don't know. You just get tired, man. Like yeah. that's, yeah. I, I think that's that's really it. Like when you when you work all day and then you just want to get home and fucking do nothing. That's why I was, I was kind of joking, you know, with the the back stuff because I, I have a bulging disc in my back. Yeah, where it's there all the time, and you know the working out is supposed to help and all that stuff. But really, all I want to do is lay down and fucking like take a load off because I've been doing stupid shit on on like walking around, running around all day uh, <laughs> at work. And now that I'm working from home and I'm sitting down all day, yeah. it's it it fuck it's the worst. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's something where, as you as you grow older, I think you just yeah have a little less patience to be around people sometimes. Yeah. But I think that's why I'm okay, like being the drummer. Yeah, because I'm just away from everybody. Right. My job is to literally like beat things and look angry. So, maybe, <laughs> so hopefully they're just kind of like I'll stamp away. Then you you realize also that the people that you want to be around, you know, those are the ones that you actually care about. Yes, and you can which have makes this more, time like really yeah. hard. Yeah, because the people I do want to be around, I can't. So like we haven't like as a band, really the band is I've, the band and like I'm with my family all the time right now, so I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of okay to say that like I it's not that I don't want to be around them, but I want to be around other people, and that it's fucking enough. Yeah. Um, and then, but really it's like my band and like two or three close friends that I have 
that I'm just like, just miss hanging out. Yeah. And like, even with the friends, all we do is like, we just drive around and find food. But that's something like I took for granted. Yeah. Like, that's what I, it's like, I like people talk about like love languages. Mm-hmm. Food is, food should be a love language. <laughs> like it's, it's the five love languages. <laughs> then this, there should, that tech, there should be seven love languages. Sarcasm and food yeah, need to be added yeah, into that. Yeah, I like that. But it's funny. And sometimes I like I had this talk with one of my friends and she had pointed out to me, she goes, Jack, I noticed you tend to push people away. Mm-hmm. I was like, why? She goes, Because every time you meet someone, your first thing is to say, Hey, let's hang out and go get food. I was like, Well, yeah, because that's what I like to do. And she goes, Jack, people automatically hear that and they think, Oh, this guy just asked me on a date. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, now that you now that you mentioned it, I see what you're saying. So I I just stopped doing that because that's just what I, I love to go out to eat. And so like any time I make a new friend, I'm like, hey, let's grab a bite to eat. And then I like everything kind of like slows way down in that friendship. Yeah. And so then I have to be so like I actually I one time I like I tried it off. I was like, hey, this is gonna sound like I'm asking you on a date but I'm not because really I just love to go out to eat. Do you want to go out to this restaurant and try it out? Cause I haven't been there yet. And they're like, Oh cool. Thanks for being up front. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe I just need to start doing that more. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, was- it could, it could backfire <laughs> to where like, Oh, well I was hoping it would be more, but you know, just as long as you're honest with people, I think that's how yeah. that, that so, works. Yeah. So let this be known that, yeah. you know, anyone that listens to this, if I ask you to go get food, it's purely just because I'm hungry. <laughs> like, I don't even like you. That's funny. You're just there. <laughs> like it's you're I the just, first. I need you someone know, to bounce ideas off. Cheese, of. cheese steak bounced into my head, and you're the first person I saw. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. So no, uh, we've been very busy as a band. It's been surprisingly like one of the things we keep talking about is with a member change, with because sometimes like bands, especially in the cover music scene. Learned getting a new band member who's never like I've never really done a cover band before. Yeah. So for me to just jump in and us to like a month into me being in the band already playing shows, some bands, if they were to get someone who's never done cover shows before, it's a while before they hit their stride. And I can confidently say I think we hit that like going right in. Yeah. In the three months that we were playing shows before everything shut down, we played Ollie's twice, we played Ape Hangers. As a full band, maybe only once, but we did the acoustic gig. We've done Last Drop. We had Toots. We had another gig lined up for Toots, but then with everything going mm-hmm. on, we had to miss that. We've got stuff. We have stuff booked out for the rest of the year. That's like fantastic. We, we've got good. We've got a, at least, you know, there might be like a little gap here and there, mm-hmm. but we've got stuff booked all the way up at least through October. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of stuff. We'll end with two things real quick. The, the question that I'm going to ask you is what do you think that you've learned most about yourself throughout music? And all your time with it. I have to say that it's probably, you have to be adaptable. Okay. And I think music is what's taught me that the most. Because along with, and that's the other thing too, is like music for me hasn't always been rock bands and cover music and like heavy stuff. Like music for me is also like, I grew up the son of a pastor. So I've been involved with church music a lot of my life too. And I tell you what, church music will teach you so much more about being as a music, about being a musician than getting out and playing in a bar because nothing screws you up more than spending a whole week learning a song in one key. And then the band comes together Sunday morning after you've spent all week practicing it in the key of a and like, Hey, we're going to play it in D and then you have to transpose everything 
to all the other chords and notes. Yeah. That happens a lot in churches. And then there's other things like, oh, hey, the vocalist isn't going to make it today. So someone else has to sing. So then someone in the group you figure out. And so the, so the church music a lot has taught me a lot about that. Church music also has like taught me. <laughs> but then, you know, even going into the full band stuff, like you, like, for example, with the Dynamos, I've never done the cover music gig thing. Like this is all new waters for me. So I had to kind of adapt one, my playing style. Okay. To fit them. I, Cause as a, I try to like right before everything shut down, I was supposed to do a bunch of gigs with taboo. Okay. I think I had five or six gigs lined up with taboo and I was going to be doing dynamos and taboo gigs pretty much all through March and April. That's a fucking lot. Man. I was going to be every weekend. I had a gig. Yeah. Some weekends I had two. Yeah. But then everything shut down. I didn't have to do any of those gigs. <laughs> I think that was like God's way of saying, like, dude, Look, Take a break. You're, you've already been yeah. too thin. Now you're like, you know. Yeah. So my idea of approaching that is I picked it up from the drummer. His name's Abel Boreal Jr. Okay. He's currently the drummer for Paul McCartney. Okay. Before he was the drummer for Paul McCartney, he was the drummer for Sting. <laughs> Fuck. That's, that's one yeah. big presence to another one. So he went from Sting to Paul. Yeah. And the only reason that happened is Paul called Abe while he was with Sting and said, hey, this is Paul McCartney. And Abe was like, no, it's not. Shut up. And Paul's like, no, this is this is Paul McCartney. I want you to come drum on my album. And Abe said, well, I'm on contract with Sting right now, so I, I can't make it for until like another two months. And Paul McCartney goes, okay, I'll wait. What? And I was just like, so when I heard that story, I was like, dang, Paul McCartney waited for this guy. And he's been in his band ever since. That's amazing. But listening to Abe, Abe is by far my favorite drummer of all time. He's where I learned how to groove, play these like real solid chops in the pocket. Right. He's taught me how to play big, but while playing small, other drummers will know what that means. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> um, it's like an organic feeling type thing. Right. But he was talking about going into the studio with Paul and his like godlike guitar players and, ba- and like other musicians yeah, yeah, that he yeah. has in the band. And he said, the best thing you can do is when you approach these situations is be the drummer who they need you to be and leave your touch, your style, your flair at the door. Because when you, when you approach studio work, you need to go into that and say, all right, I'm your drummer. What do you want me to do? And so I approach that. I take that and I, anytime I go to play with another band that I've never played with, that's what I do. So approaching the Dynamos, I was like, all right, I'm just going to walk in and I'm going to pick up on the vibe, see what they want me to do. And we'll see how it blends. Like, I'm just going to figure, I'm going to adapt to what they want. And I did. And right pretty much from the get-go, we all just kind of knew that this was the right thing. And so adaptability, I would say, is what I've picked up most from music because, you know, I've played drums for several bands. I've played bass for several bands. I played electric guitar for a band. It's I've done recordings for people. Even right now during all this quarantine stuff, I have friends who have churches all over the country Mm -hmm. who are trying to figure out how to do music since they can't have church. And so from home, I've been like recording bass parts and sending bass parts to my friends so they can fill out their church audio. Very cool. Okay. Um, One of the churches here in the local area, I've gone, I did three weeks of recordings for their videos on drums. And then we just did another two of them last night for on acoustic guitar. So it's keep me busy. So yeah. I found a way to like keep busy during all this, even though I re- I'm realizing now I've been busier than I think I have. <laughs> um, 
but that's more adaptability. That's, yeah. you know, cause the church that I recorded things for in Carolina is much different from the church I recorded things for in Arizona, which is much different than the church I recorded things for here in Waldorf. Right. And so it's been, you know, I think be, learning how to be a learning how to adapt. Yeah. Opens the doors for more possibilities. And it's also like, if you ever need references in the musical community, you know, it's real easy to contact someone and be like, Hey, we're, do you guys ever played with Jack before? And they're like, dude, that guy, you know, I don't want to use my own name for this. That sounds weird. <laughs> hey, you guys ever played with Brett? Right. And then they go, like, yeah, man, Brett can lay it down. You know, he's, he's all around. You can do your jazz. You can do your hard rock. He can lay some country for you, whatever you need. Just let him know. And he'll do his best to get it to you. That's the type of reputation I want to have. Yeah. So that way, like in a pinch, if someone's like, oh, I need a drummer, you know, someone just be like, Oh, call Jack. Yeah. That's fantastic. He'll fill in for you. And then I make a couple of make, hopefully I make a little bit extra money on the side. You know? <laughs> well, so, there you go. So. Well, what do you think keeps you motivated to keep pursuing it? Honestly, it, it's just one of those things where when you say it, you're meaning music, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just, I was thinking, thinking music or drumming. It's was, it was like, it's just one of those things where I've been doing it my whole life. Like yeah. even before I started drumming on that guy's kit when I was five, there's pictures of me having this like toy plastic guitar mm-hmm. with this really dumb toy microphone that you would yell in, but it sounds like a megaphone. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had a mic stand. Like, I don't know how, like it was, so there's this, <laughs> there's this picture of me at like, two or three year old Jack holding this like toy guitar with this toy microphone wearing a tie dye shirt and some baggy sweatpants. You got to use that as an album cover. Or a and cover. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And I was just, there's two songs I would belt nonstop. I can never remember what the second one was. I always got to ask my mom what it was, but the other one was like skies of gray by the grateful dead. Really? That's interesting. Oh, black hole sun. Okay. <laughs> So at like three years old, I would play, I would like just hit this toy guitar and sing into a microphone and I'd sing Grateful Dead and hey, Black Hole Sun. Fucking Soundgarden. That's Soundgarden, yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> not sure, you know, it's, it's, yeah. But then there's pictures of me drumming on that guy's kit when I was a kid. Yeah. It's just something to me that's always been, I've always been drawn to it. Right. And I don't ever see a day where I'm not drawn to it. Cool. Yeah, I'm always air drumming. I'm always tapping. I'm always tapping on things. <laughs> That's never going to go away. Yeah. Um, last story real quick. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's because of all my tapping and air drumming. <laughs> I went to a private school for pretty much all of elementary school. And they had this discipline system called tallies. To where like, if you were talking in class, you got a pink tally. If you didn't do your homework, you got a green tally. Okay. Three tallies. And you had to do a writing assignment to like talk about how terrible of a kid you were (laughs) an orange tally was like you were obstructing the class so like you got up and it was really weird because an orange tally was getting up for disrupting the class but a yellow tally was for causing hullabaloo (laughs) and i never as i got older i was like how do you explain to a first how do you explain to a five-year-old what hullabaloo is like (laughs) that's fantastic (laughs) um, i love that and then there was Dark blue for being rude to your classmates. Light blue for being rude to someone else. Like, it was weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, each color meant something, and it was an acronym that spelled out how I act. Okay. So, hullabaloo, obstructing the class, work not completed, 
I was uh, intentional disobedience. That was a red one, which automatically equaled three. Ah, okay. And so if you got one of those, you had to do your writing assignment right away. All right. A was, uh, I don't remember. I, I don't remember what A and C, I don't remember what T was talking. That was pink. That was the end of act. I don't remember what A and C were, but those were the two blue ones. I don't okay. remember what, anyways. So my teacher in first grade, I was always tapping on stuff. Pencils, whatever, you name it. If it was in front of me, I turned it into a drum kit. All right. And she got so annoyed with it <laughs> to a point to where like my mom and dad were teachers at the school. So she would like have to get one of them to come into the classroom uh-huh. and be like, dude, you got to stop. And I was like, all right. And then they leave and I just like tap away. <laughs> so one day I come into class and I start tapping away. She goes, Jack, I want you to put a purple tally in your cup. I was like, there's no purple tally. That doesn't exist, which it didn't. When I had left school at two o'clock the day before, <laughs> the purple tally did not exist. It was just for you. So she goes, there's one now. And I go up to the board. I was like, so what does this mean? Is it a regular thing? She goes, no, for every purple tally you get in your cup with your, like your name, yeah, with your yeah. thing on the thing, you have to sit on the wall for five minutes at recess. I was okay. like, and let's just say I learned how to multiply by fives real quick. <laughs> The first day that she started this, I sat on the wall for the whole 30-minute recess. Wow. We're talking like, you know, you're in first grade. Recess isn't at like one in the afternoon. Recess is at like eight o'clock. Right. So by the time eight o'clock hit, I had already had six purple tallies in my cup. (laughs) And uh, first grade was hell, man, because I just couldn't stop. (laughs) I don't think I had recess at all for first the rest of first grade. And so this, this teacher at my private school created a form of disciplinary action because of how often I was drumming on everything in the classroom. <laughs> so then come second grade, I remember being so excited. Keep in mind, my parents are still teachers at this school. So second grade, we go to school. I'm excited. I've never been excited for school in my life. And so I was like, why are you so excited? I was like, no more purple tallies. I'm not in Miss Howard's first grade class anymore. I can drum on anything I want. I'm unstoppable. I can do anything. I had the power of God within me. So I get the class and I didn't even think to look at the board because I was like, that's not going to be there. So we know we're into the day. I start tapping, start drumming. And the teacher goes, Jack, I need you to put a purple tally in your cup. I was like, no, no. I was like, what? And she goes, yep. I was so mad. I was so mad. I actually like, they had to take me out of the class. Yeah. Like I was, I was living. Yeah. So I had to go to the, they put me in the office to calm down. That's hilarious. Um, So then. This this six or seven year old little piss head. (laughs) So fucking mad. And so, (laughs) so my mom comes into the office. I was like, I got a purple tally. There shouldn't be purple tallies. And that's what, that's when my mom decides to tell me. No, the whole school does them now. (laughs) (laughs) And so here I am, six, seven years old, responsible for a brand new school-wide disciplinary action that up until I graduated high school still existed to where if a kid got a purple tally in their cup, they lost five minutes of recess. Oh my God, that is so funny. And so here's the lasting legacy about it. My older brother and my younger brother uh-huh. both won the the Christian Steward Leadership Award okay. for being like the best outstanding right, but not in attitude. No, I didn't win it. <laughs> I, I was known for skipping school. Um, 
One of my teachers had a thing that said, if it's a Monday, Jack won't be here, but he'll be here the rest of the week. If it's a Monday and Jack is here, he's not going to be here the rest of the week. (laughs) I missed, I skipped a lot of school. Right. Which I got to say, when your mom teaches at the school. It's very hard to do. (laughs) It's very impressive. (laughs) So (laughs) when we were, when I was living in Pennsylvania, they took me to court for truancy. Are you serious? Yeah. And then I won because no one from the school showed up. That's hilarious. And I was like, oh man, I got out of my truancy case because they were absent for something. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yes, I win. (laughs) So the judge pulled me aside. He called me up. He goes, look, technically you win, but you understand what's wrong here, right? I was like, yeah, I get it. He goes, if this keeps up, your mom's going to get in trouble. I was like, all right, I got it. (laughs) So... My my brothers win this. My brothers both win this award for being the most outstanding person. And what did I do? I caused the new disciplinary action for the whole school to you exist. Took the school to court and won. <laughs> Different school, but it doesn't matter. It's so that's so the like so the legacy my brothers left and that I left are very different from. Yeah, that's I felt accomplished. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good stopping point. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right, cool. Thank you. You're very welcome.